0: Yeah, welcome back to World Review Commentary. We don't have the normal cues that we normally do. This is an expanded uh, program. It's a full four hours this morning, normally 10 to 12. We're going 10 to 2. And uh, welcome back, Charlotte Littlefield Brown, my co-host. Thank you, George. And welcome back, Alan Watt.
1: It's a pleasure. Uh,
0: this encryption, that I came up with that idea before I discovered you uh, years ago that that, that language uh, is encrypted purposely, is it not?
1: It is. The, the whole alphabet, in fact, is uh, is encrypted. Every letter, every number as well is encrypted.
0: We think it's plain text, though. They teach us it's plain text, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, everything is a building uh, block. Everything is a structure. If you, well, if, you, if you start looking at it from that perspective, you start to see what it is.
2: And a perfect example is, like, you uh, talked about government actually means something, but the word Congress is actually sexual intercourse.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I think they've
2: done a lot
0: of that up there in Congress, haven't they? Well, they used to use that. It's an orgy of...
1: Oh, yeah, they have their orgies, but they used to use that for for even uh, dialogue. Dialogue used to be called variable intercourse. It was intercourse. And yeah, so true. I'd like to have intercourse with you, and it had, had no bad connotations at one time.
0: Well, <laughs> 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 yeah. I tell you that you have and, uh, you, you're interesting, there, Alan. You you're very tell interesting. D- we got to laugh a little again. bit, otherwise we would go crazy, right? We do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need a little levity at times, right? We certainly do.
1: Yeah.
2: Alan, tell me again the roots of the word uh, government.
1: Well, mm. it, it contains words. Uh, even Vern, you, you find the word Ver and Vern crop up all the time. It's to do also with light from ancient times. Um, uh, you have a "very" light, for instance, B-R-I uh, that's literally the one that you shoot up in the sky that, that, uh, uh, it bursts up in the sky and the, and the soldiers use it. Some of them have little parachutes. And wherever you see certain, certain words within words, you, you are looking at a coding. But you're also looking at the letters, big difference between the capitals and the, the, the small letters, the common letters, because see, every letter is a building structure. Remember, this is, is all built, even in the Masonics, they call themselves the Freemasons because uh, they use the architectural language to, to get their message to, across to members. And so when you look at anything with power, it's a building structure. Uh, And if you look at even the letter A, the letter A has different meanings, but it's also your pyramid, it's also your compass that you see in the compass and square. But it's a a capped pyramid as well, you understand? So the profane don't know this, is that right? They're not taught any of
0: it. We're just, we're the profane, the public, the masses are profane, right?
1: Yes, so you have one conditioning for the profane, those in the darkness, that's what it means. Uh, and those who who can see. Now, some can see naturally, very few. Uh, others are taught uh, these kind of um, facts, these truths. And so you always have, as I say, um, the symbol of Alpha and Omega. And they always term, make their terms to do with anything within the world or the physical. They always call it uh, the feminine. So, so even though it's a compass, which, on one hand, at the bottom level of masonry, it means the compass that encircles all. You are the point, and you make a circle from that point, and so you control everything within that domain which is yours, the microcosm. Uh, then you also, it's also, they also call it the feminine in the higher levels, because anything that's to do with the realm of the physical world of rule uh, is always given a, a, a female connotation, because everything comes from the female and all species so, so so
0: so the statue of liberty is that all tied And all these these goddesses on top of our state capitals is that oh, yeah. what they're saying <laughs> columbia oh, yeah. co- what does columbia mean have you ever researched that
1: yeah columbia is from the old latin uh, and it meant and initially a dove now uh, the dove it also means column as well washington column, dc
0: right washington district of columbia
1: yeah dc going to the french You'll have this if you speak the word. Never mind spell it, but speak it. And that's why you under the spell of spelling. You don't recognize you can speak it, even though it's an abbreviation. And it's this, which means 10. It's the binary code again.
0: So again, my gosh.
1: So, so, so. And, and even, every prayer that you say, and for 2,000 year, years, you finish with uh, Amen or Amen. Well, Amen wasn't Ra.
0: that a, a sun god
1: of Egypt? As the ancient hidden god behind all gods.
0: Okay, so uh, Amun was, was the higher god. Yeah. That's what I've always, uh, I've reached that conclusion years ago. You know what I stopped saying in church when I was still going? I stopped yeah. saying
1: that. Yes. You know, because <laughs> I, I started quite realizing quite that we're
0: <laughs> conditioned into all of this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, and even in Judaism, too, they'll often use Salah, which also is a Freemasonic term because in, in English you would say make it so or so mote it be, they use that in all masonry you know, when they make a decision, they speak the, the, the reality into existence by law, they command the law
0: So so much of these uh, institutions have been taken over and manipulated, is, is that what you see?
1: I personally think that they were never taken over I, I think there was always a, a, the high level of the curia even within the Catholic Church uh, remember that the Catholic Church Came into existence as Rome, uh, the physical force of Rome was falling. It was falling because they taxed all their provinces, their conquered countries, into the ground, and it still wasn't enough money to keep the small elite in the luxury they wanted. Uh, so the elite moved on, but not before they did alter, they changed the hats of all the temple priests, and uh, the, the high priest of Jupiter simply became the first, basically bishop, and uh, this this has changed hats. Uh, And they called it universal because all of the ancient religions, the ancient world, remember, Rome was very tolerant, as all empires were, to all religions. They accepted all religions. As long as you bowed down and worshipped the king or or, or the emperor, that was okay. But you could worship all the other gods as well. And when they added Christianity into that mix, uh, and Constantine, was, he actually had a temple built after he uh, had the big speech made, at the, at the meeting in 325 AD, uh, he had a temple made to himself where his likeness was made. That was mean a statue of himself and the common people could go in and worship him as a god, like all previous emperors. So he had insurance policies in every religion. And he also belonged to the cult of Mithra. So, so the universal church incorporated gradually all of the old pagan religions back into itself as, as the centuries went on.
0: The, the book, The Two Babbles, is that a good reference book to use uh, that delves into these subjects?
1: It, it, it's good. And it, 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 it's, to me, it's a light delving into, although to most people, a lot of it is very new. Uh, it doesn't go into great detail, to be honest with you. But it's, it's a, it's a
0: primer. It could be a good primer, it's maybe. a
1: primer. And, um, and his main focus was mainly um, appearing to attack just the Catholic Church, forgetting that the protestant church was just a spin-off yeah the
0: anglican church. church is where he's coming from attacking the catholic
1: yes an anglican church yeah. Yeah. Is, is just uh, uh, the same structure and institution using all of the same holidays same names terms and so on except that the queen is the head of the anglican church and then the archbishop runs it for her
0: What about the, what's your take on the celtic church of ireland the, the church that preceded the catholic church there
1: the Celtic Church had um, direct missionaries going in within the first hundred years of Christianity. There was contact there before Christianity. Yes, and uh, the the priests who came in bringing Christianity into Ireland were primarily Egyptian. They were from Egypt, and they brought a lot of the symbols with them. That's why you see the Celtic cross with the sun symbol over the cross the, the standard Celtic cross at the graveyards. And the only the only place you find that the other places in Egypt. Wow, and the Catholic Church tried for centuries to get their missionaries in to take over, uh, to push this other group out, which were primarily Gnostic.
0: I see. Uh, today we have the the Boston Tea Party going on, right? Yes. And this is an anniversary of that actual event. And yesterday was the Bill of Rights Day. Mm hmm. Oh. Uh, what, what was the problem between the colonists, the American colonists and England that precipitated this American Revolution? And was there really, uh, uh, was there more of a, a treaty, uh, you know, that was uh, agreed on and, but the, and the money system was still dominantly British or what is your
1: take on Yeah, there? I think very interesting. Uh, I mean, Franklin too wrote about this himself after the fact and, and his own writing. And he, he said that anyone who believes, that a few paltry taxes brought on the revolution as being rather silly. He said it took many, many years of preparation for the revolution. Um, the taxation was what they the high, they were all masons. You know, that's well understood even in their writings of, of themselves. Franklin admits it. Um, he said that they used that for the common people to, to rally them around them, the fact that they were going to get taxed. And the standard policy of Britain when they took over a country—remember they just fought—they just been fighting the French, including the French out to 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 dominate uh, Canada and what became the United States—and so they wanted the, the citizens who were born and brought up in the colonies, as they call them, to start paying taxes to maintain an army in case the French or even the Spanish came in—and uh, that was the objection. The group within the U.S. Want the dominant elite. You already had a dominant minority there of the biggest landowners who got together and formed the first Congress. They had charters to have those that, those massive land rights, uh, chartered by the British Crown, in fact, uh, those particular guys who comprised the, the first Congress. Uh, so you already had a dominant min- elite. Minority, And they, for many years, they brought in gunpowder and ball and all the supplies they would need uh, for, via France for about 15 years before the revolution began. But they used the taxation as an excuse to rally the people. Uh, and Franklin said, how much tea can you drink in a year? You know, don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't to do really with the tea tax. They dressed the up like tax. Indians
0: and went in there and dumped that tea, right?
1: That's False they wouldn't do it today with the prices of tea, tell <laughs> <laughs> you.
0: Oh, you Canadians or something? You don't drink a lot of tea up there like the British. Oh,
1: yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. But so, I'll tell you. I'll tell you though. Um, I got to remember that. Is, I'll send
0: you some green tea from down here. <laughs> do
1: that. Yeah, do that. Yeah. I'll tell you the, the the thing too with with the Boston Tea Party was um was it wasn't just that it was that Britain but, and this has always been the case, Britain already had international corporations owned by those who owned Britain. That's a royalty, and their hundreds of cousins and, and uncles and so on uh, uh, that ran Britain. And they formed the British East India Company, the first corporation in the 1500s. Elihu Yale, that gave you Yale University, was one of the founding members. And uh, uh, the, the whole thing was they... They, uh, they wanted to monopolize the market and make sure that the only tea you could buy was through the British East India Company. Yeah, that... That, that was really yeah. what was behind it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah, com- those fa- monopoly. Those
0: families in no. Boston, they they were their dominant traders. Weren't they part of the British East India Company, those shippers yeah, oh, there? lots
1: of them. Lots yes. of them were indeed, yeah.
0: And, and what, they, what did they do? They took... Uh, they traded to the east in China, and they brought slaves to America or to the right. Caribbean, and then picked up cotton and took that out to India, and then they got took some of that, you know, uh, go into or the uh, opium, I guess, was into China later, I guess, wasn't
1: it? Later on, all the members of of the Yale University, again, Elihu Yale, and his writings. Uh, stated before the revolution says we are creating this, this this university here because the future leaders who will always run this country will come from this university and therefore our plan our plan uh, will go ahead unimpeded
0: well is it the skull and bones that's really what they represent huh
1: that's one branch of this, this structure that I see there's many names to ISIS that's what they said in ancient times ISIS had a thousand faces but it was all the same thing and it's it hasn't changed You've been run by corporations from ancient times. Uh, they'll, they'll give you kings and queens or, or presidents, doesn't matter. They'll give you a culture, uh, and it always ends up exactly the same. The, the bulk of the population pay taxes, which is just, remember, the definition of, of slavery is forced labor and, and uh, un- involuntary labor. When money is taken back from you, that represents your labor. You are a slave.
0: You know, you made an interesting point earlier. You said that this system of, of rule, like, like when William the Conqueror set up that doomsday book, he was doing the same thing, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every pig, every hen, every child, every spoon that you had in the house was... was, was uh, Inventoried, was right? Inventoried with a census and owned then by the king. Uh-huh.
0: And then he put a tax on it, mm-hmm. and then if you didn't pay the tax, what would you do? They hung you or cut your head off?
1: Uh, they'd, they'd hang you if you're a commoner. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. But, but then they would take all, confiscate probably all your land, probably
1: otherwise. <laughs> yes, they would. And, and you it, find right through the feudal system backed up by the Catholic Church, you see, the two go hand in glove.
0: Because, yeah, the Inquisition, uh, my understanding, uh, let me ask you a question here about the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding was once you were arrested by the Inquisition, then you lost your property at that time, at that point. Oh, yeah so 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 they would target someone that was out of favor that was not going along with the church and they would arrest him
1: well, now, yes that, that was common i mean uh, it's very common uh, technically under the system since the normans came into britain and all of the elite who run and own europe all their old families and all their hundreds and hundreds of cousins and so on um all those big families uh for the last uh, thousand years were hand in glove with the churches and they had a feudal system which the Catholic Church was meant to, to reinforce. It was ideal for keeping people in the rural areas working on farms and paying their, their, their fees, that comes from feudal, few. Uh, you pay a fee from few. So you paid uh, about 60% or so of your, of your crops to the baron who was above you or the lord who passed, took his cut and passed it on up to the king. So, so you're allowed to keep so much for yourself and feed your your pigs and your animals, your family and your helpers, uh, but but technically you own nothing, uh, and you were bought and sold with the land for a thousand like years. Shadow, shadow yeah. property, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So so mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a man write a book, John Taylor Gatto, and he he says that they started looking at our students as resources, so it,
1: well, like shadow like shadow yeah. property, yeah. right? If you look at Webster, Daniel Webster's yes. writings on education, he even goes through the setting up of it and why they would make it so. We're
0: going to be right back. We don't know exactly what our break, uh, but sounds like we're coming up on a break here, and then we'll be right back. We'll see how it goes, okay? Okay. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host George Butler, along with Charlotte Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: These these taxes are, are horrendous. What forty percent of some of these farmers, uh, what crops were were taken from them?
1: Oh yeah, and they were not intensive farmers in those days either. So they, you didn't have the bigger crops, and that was standard. So that was the definition really of a serf. A serf is a nice term for a slave. And most of the people of Europe were upraised until the industrial era were serfs. People don't realise that that's not that long ago. And uh, that when they needed, the, they they were going. They knew they were going to use science and industry, and create industry and industrial revolution. And uh, it was the Rothschild, Lord Rothschild, introduced a bill into Parliament in Britain to repeal the the, the corn laws. They called it the protection for their domestic markets for corn and they dumped all foreign corn all over the European markets, and that put all the small farmers out of business. They were forced into the the towns that were just getting built, the cities that became Manchester, Birmingham, uh, Liverpool, and so on, and uh, they were crammed in there to be cannon fodder for the factories. That was all planned.
0: So you saw with the Industrial Revolution uh, that was taking place beginning in England and had proceeded, then they didn't need farmers, they needed industrial workers.
1: That's right, because the empire by that time was so big that they could—they they had uh, there was no problem with the food supply. But they did still keep all uh, a lot of the, the feudal farms. They still exist today. They're called tenant farmers, and the aristocracy still owns them. Prince Charles, uh, there was a blurb in the newspaper a few years ago uh, about shame on you, Charles, because he still had a couple of hundred tenant farmers that grew the food for the royal family. They don't eat modified food. And uh, they don't have uh, they don't eat meat so that's they're probably not, uh, very
0: healthy aren't they <laughs>
1: oh yes uh-huh, yeah. and uh and he was paying them uh, peanut wages really uh, so they still have these farms for the wealthy elite throughout europe
0: the um uh, on on the on the um this system it's uh is so insidious at times with what are the other mechanisms besides well there's taxes and there's interest and there's what uh insurance premiums and what other mm-hmm. costs are involved in extracting from the individual that, that place us in slavery?
1: Well, the definition of a citizen is as, as they, they always get you to want something that they want you to want. <laughs> okay. In oh, so other words, create a that.
0: desire for their goods and services.
1: Yeah, well, even the term citizen, the definition means someone who's born into a system with pre-existing duties to that system serve that system and that's the term that they used to justify slavery under different terms same thing uh jefferson went through it very well he said that if a generation is born into a system where their forefathers incurred debts that, that this next generation would have to pay off though that generation were therefore de facto slaves
0: there, there's this debtor's prison that arose in in the united kingdom in britain yeah, that was finally abolished. But that was that was something else, was it not?
1: Oh yeah. Well, again, it's a big. See, the law business is a, is a make-work project for for lawyers and judges. It's a huge business, and always was. And they, they couldn't get enough people to colonize the Americas, and Australia, and other countries. And so they they, they just threw out laws every single day, silly laws, uh, until you couldn't help but break them. And again, it created poverty because the, the food shot up because the restrictions on food and all the farmers went out of business. And and so people were, they were sending boatloads of people over to the Americas uh, who had been fined guilty of maybe stealing a loaf of bread or something. And that got you deported. And then you were bought at the other end. The first slaves into the Americas were white people. and
0: um, Were they indentured servants, is that right? Indentured?
1: That, yeah, the, the person who bought them off the ship uh, paid part of their fine, the captain took a cut, he passed it back to Britain, uh, the magistrate or judge got his cut for it, too. So it was a huge business. And uh, you know that yourself, Jefferson, or, or Franklin's first wife, he bought off the boat. She was an indentured slave. Hey, hey, I've
0: got a quote from Benjamin Franklin that shows up on Pearson Education. That's out of the U.K. Uh-huh. The only thing more expensive than education is ignorance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, I mean, <laughs> this is yeah. the biggest educational publisher in the world, Pearson is.
1: Uh-huh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. You know, and, and I mean, and they're using Franklin's deal, and it's all misconstrued. It's all it's all a bunch of hodgepodge hustle. Is okay. that the yeah. way you sort of see it?
1: Well, yeah, it is. They always give us our heroes, and they always give you foundation. When Any country that's formed, they give you a foundation myth. And so you had Romulus and Remus for Rome, and you have the the founding fathers that were somehow more altruistic and more holy than the average person if you were listened to the modern diatribes on them so, so you you whitewash the realities because you must get the people to almost worship the foundations of your nation and when you go into the histories of franklin uh, now he had relatives in england he was trained from a very early age which is standard for this kind of process by his uncles who made about three or four trips across the atlantic just to train young benjamin for his role in the world, for the future. So he was a, a Mason from the beginning, born into the family.
0: So so they, they have these cults of personality they present to us, so we'll start worshipping these guys, right?
1: Yeah, all, all the, the books of little quotes and sayings that Benjamin Franklin gave out, he bought them, Little Richards and so on, he bought them, or they were sent to him by the, the early Masonic organization in, in Britain. They, they sent them. He grew up learning this stuff, it was all sent to him. And you know, uh, he himself, uh, even though he talked about never a borrower or lender be, um, he himself, when he went over to England, borrowed about 40 pounds uh, from another fellow, which he never paid back. So they're awful hypocrites. <laughs> that
0: can Sir? be, can't
2: they? <laughs> I, uh, one of my favorite quotes is actually a Benjamin Franklin quote, at least I, I think it is. It's, he talks about uh, he who would give up liberty for some security uh, will end up with neither or deserves neither. Yeah. So do you think he... Uh, see, I, my take on him is that he genuinely, um, uh, you know, felt strongly about this country. And he was genuine. Uh, he may have been, um, you know, involved with these other levels of higher scientific uh, control, but uh, I don't know, maybe he uh, got a conscience like John F. Kennedy did and uh, had a genuine uh, love for this country. Um, you know, what about the church? You guys, uh, people, there was a time in our... in i don't know who all they had to learn out of was the bible right you hear these stories of well they taught them themselves to read uh but with just the bible and isn't it odd that it's you know just the bible was available and nothing else at, at times in uh in human history
1: that's, and one what's of your... clues. that's one of your clues that they had a mm-hmm. special purpose for america
2: yeah, uh, the uh, so the Bible, the founding. Uh, so, do you think Jesus was a real person that they uh, manipulated the the uh, the uh, the story, the God story, or what, what's your take on it?
1: We know that the Jesus story is ancient, uh, predating Jesus. Um, it's the same story. Yeah, the Christ. The, the Christ, Christ. The of one, Messiah, the one who brings the light. He's the light of the world. The
0: anointed one.
2: Sure. And, well, you know, there's the a son. good movie, Zeitgeist, right? And on the beginning of the Zeitgeist movie that's floating around the Internet, it shows about, uh, I don't know, ten examples of the Christ prior yep. to Jesus. And uh, yep. they're all born on December 25th. They all uh, had the three wise men, which is a reference to astrolog- or you know, the the, the actual
1: yeah, Ryan's belt uh, and the zodiac yeah
2: exactly and, uh, and the, so there's so there's all that um, do you think that was an origination ultimately from these people or was this a real human phenomena?
1: We, what's we your have, take? Uh, all we have are, are a few sources, um, mainly Judaic sources. Ironical because the, the, the Judaism went completely against uh, later on at least. Uh, Christianity, but there are a few sources we know there were there were different messiahs at that time. It was quite common to have a messiah pop up here and there. And, any, and under Judaism, anyone who worked towards the great work of Judaism was technically a messiah. It wasn't just to be one only.
2: And sure, and and that's the. Uh, for, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but that's that Kabbal or the um, that Tree of Knowledge, the tree Mystery Schools.
1: Tree of Life is Kabbal- Kabbalism.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was the uh, the great work that you're referencing?
1: Uh, it's more than that. Judaism is an active religion as opposed to a passive religion where everything's done. In Judaism, you work the future into existence.
0: And hey, we're going to cut out of here in a second. We'll be right back. Thank you very much. Right Paul is here.
1: The freedom message. Waking up people everywhere. I'm Ron Paul, and you're listening to We the People Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to what? World Review Commentary. I'm your host George Butler, along with
2: Charlotte Brown.
0: Welcome back, Alan Watt. Let, let me let me ask you one question here. This might cut to the heart of the matter. Are you saying that actually we live in a virtual reality?
1: It is. It's a virtual reality. If you give a reality to all mammals, whether it's animal or human, uh, are warned by an adult, a parent generally, of what is dangerous to its own survival. And if that mammal, that, that adult, does not warn it, the youngster will grow up thinking that everything that already exists is quite natural. And look at it today, where the trained children... They're training them at the moment through cartoons and so on that brain chips are coming and they're going to be great for them. They're going to enjoy them. Um, You look at the moral changes in society over 50 years. Uh, 50 years ago, the family was normal. Today, it's unnormal to have a two-parent family. Um, Anything can become normal, and that's the art of culture, creation, and alteration. Uh, Plato talked about it thousands of years ago. It was well understood then that the general public, every, every generation it grows into, is born into its own time. And if the parents don't stop and tell them, look, it wasn't always like this, and there's powers creating what you think is not natural, if you don't tell the child that, the child will never clue into it.
0: In addition, everything is normal. In addition to that cultural uh, change or conditioning, how about a, a real physical change in the DNA? Is that possible?
1: I think it's not only possible, I think it's already been happening from the first inoculations that we ever had. Uh, the, the modern people from the 1950s onwards um, uh, have a, a, a lo- much lowered immune system, number one. If you a detective story, um, you must simply go through what's happened. And the only things that happened were inoculations came out big time at very early ages. Before your immune system was even working properly, you were getting pricked with all these needles. And everything is based on faith. Even the doctor has no ability to analyze uh, this polio vaccine or uh, that particular shot or other. He has no ability to do that. It's all taken on faith. And yet since the 1950s, even the sperm count of the average male in the West is down by 75% of what it was from 1950. Nothing happens in nature at such a speed. What has happened to alter it, what's different, inoculations are different, your food is modified too, you see the effects of that. So we're being bioengineered already.
0: Do you think that some of, of course, you're saying some of this is intentional. Does it take on an even ominous basis when just the dynamic of money-making creates even a greater impetus in this direction?
1: Both are connected in the sense that we are the herd, and every ancient religion they always gave you a leader who was the good shepherd, which meant that the followers, the masses, were all sheep. Well, the shepherd doesn't keep the sheep as pets, the sheep are a herd, they have a purpose, not to feed the shepherd, that's the only purpose they have. And, and when you understand from that point of view, the shepherd must profit from the herd, but he also has the right to kill them down, cull them down if there's too many, or breed them up if there's not enough. And that's what's been happening with us. There's lots of books being put out by the big foundations for over a hundred years on the necessity of bringing back things like the black plague uh, of sterilization of the public. That's why you had the American Eugenics, uh, Eugenics Society It's now got a nice name, it's called the Bioethics Council, and uh, and they wanted to, to reduce the sperm count in the male, they wanted to bring in diseases that would affect the ovaries of female and make them infertile, and voila, we've had all of that happen in 50 years. That's not by coincidence. And if you took all the data that's out there on all of this into a court of law, with the presumption that the guilty person will never admit to guilt, then... What you make your verdict on, the conclusion you arrive at, has to do with the preponderance of evidence, and it's overwhelming. Everything that's happened, disease-wise and so on, for the last 50 years, and we see the effects all around us with autism, let's say lowered sperm counts, blocked fallopian tubes through chlamydia infections and all the other infections that came out, um, that's been done by purpose. That's the conclusion you have to come to.
0: There have been, what, 90-something microbiologists over the last, what, six or seven years that have died?
1: Yes, it's a a very hazardous occupation. Was it
0: the Quail site or someone like that? uh, Stephen Quail or something like that has a a list of all those uh, microbiologists.
1: Well, we know that the big one that was exposed in the papers was Kelly from Britain, who worked with MI5 and 6. And he was to go to court, and they didn't want him to go to court in case he spilled more beans. But in all of the major newspapers before he was killed, the way he said he would be killed, uh, he said they'd find him in the forest with his wrist cut. And uh, about a week before he went to court, uh, he did, in the previous meeting at the court, say that he worked in a a, a project to do with uh, bacterial warfare, uh, with a, a partnership from Israel and Britain, the Port and Downs facility in Britain, uh, the, and the stuff that they worked on was race specific uh, ethnic specific viruses and bacterium. They could target certain types within the population, release things which would kill them.
0: Well, kinetic Corporation privatized out of that Port and down um, industry uh, two thirds of their of their industry into their own hands.
1: Uh, You'll find that all... You see, what I came to understand a long time ago was, after reading uh, the early phases of the Cold War, where uh, both sides said that the winners of the Cold War would be those with the highest sciences and technology. It was a war of technology. Uh, Then I I saw these big corporations sprouting up out of nowhere, and I realized that the CIA and MI6 own and, and produced and still own the, the, the common household corporations' names of the products that you buy, your Sony, uh, their Hitachis, all your big... You cannot allow free competition when there's a war going on in technology. Uh, therefore, you, you make sure that all technology is owned by your own company, Yeah, basically the, intelligence. Our,
0: ours is not that transparent, but the Chinese system is exactly what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. but it's but it's evident. I mean, they, you know, if you, it's really on the surface because it's a newer system, right?
1: Uh, yes. In fact, we created their system. Yes.
0: But I mean, it, it hasn't had hundreds or thousands of years of building up to where, no. the, you know, the West is now. The Chinese, uh, what you know, after World War II, Mao Zedong took over, and so they've had like sixty years of build up here.
1: Yes, and uh, versus the West, hundreds uh, of years
0: that the West has.
1: Yeah, the, the West literally. Created China that was planned that way. Russell talked about it in the 1930s. He was sent there, Bertrand Russell. Uh, now he's a top. He's a lord, a British lord, standing on, and talking on behalf of the aristocracy, uh, who was sent over to start teaching communism in the universities in China back as, as far back as the 1920s. He writes about it in his own memoirs.
0: Well, is, is it, it's individualism versus collectivism? Is it the collective? State, world state, they want because they can more easily manipulate that? Is that what yeah, it's the about? The
1: big foundations, which are specialized, each foundation and think tank is a specialist part of the one pyramid, the pyramid, as one structure. And the Club of Rome is one of the, the main think tanks for, for coming up with the top ideas and giving them to other think tanks to work it into existence. And they wrote a book called The First Global Revolution. Uh, back in the 1970s, the two founders of the Club of Rome, who are all interconnected with the big foundations that are, uh, and funded by them, um, said uh, that they'd studied all of the systems of history uh, on behalf of the elite. Remember, and a lot of these members are also members of the Bilderbergers and so on. They go back and forth between all these think tanks, including the, the Club of Rome,
0: the, CFR, and, and the said, Bilderberg. Yeah,
1: they okay. said that that they favoured most strongly a world where collectivism. Uh, would be used uh, for the whole world. You would have a ruling dominant minority uh, running a fascist elite circle at the top with a huge bureaucracy in between running the masses and a collectivist system beneath them. Okay, we've they- got a
0: caller here from Carl from... Uh, let me let me kick on this. Uh, Carl from Montreal, you have a question for Alan Watt? Let me get this other caller... Uh Yeah. Quincy uh, Quincy from Pennsylvania, do you have a a question for Alan Watt? Uh, It's actually a comment for both of you on the show. It's uh, fascinating. I just wanted to call in and let you both know that this is just so good to hear all these pieces of the puzzle put together so people can understand this stuff. And the movie Zeitgeist is a great starting point for so many people. I didn't want to interrupt the flow of, of... information it was going but i just want to take a moment and say this is excellent material well alan watt has been at this for a number of years and i have too he he knows it a lot in more detail than i do i have an overall view of it and then charlotte littlefield brown is is in there too digging all the time and she's she's right up on this too
2: I like to think of these two they're the professors of the new school where we learn the mechanisms that we've been controlled i'm the, I'm
0: the profane of the three <laughs> you two are professing I'm, I'm digging i'm digging my way out of a hole right and because you're I,
2: professing you're
0: professors <laughs> alan watt three. will be right back thank yeah. you Kenzie. appreciate the comments And on demand,
1: this is We the People Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host, George Butler, along with... Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt. That was quite a compliment to you.
1: It was. It was really nice, yeah. Uh,
0: there are people out there that really care. Here's, here's the point I wanted to make before we move on. Uh, you know about our 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 school system is in shambles. The kids coming out of there can't even read what you're writing.
1: You know? I know, I know. Uh, although some of them, because I use symbols and pictures, uh, and I sequence them, because symbols can be put into a language, too. depends on how you put them together and sequence them just like a sentence. Your subconscious understands them, and I'm getting a good response from from the younger ones, too.
0: My, my sister-in-law used to give a series of testing. She was testing expert or, you know, teacher or counselor for school system for public schools. Uh-huh. She had to rely on the lucier color test, if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. It's a system of eight colors that can be expanded into a greater number. Yeah. But she had to give that at times when, when nothing else worked to get some kind of a personality readout on some of these people. Mm-hmm.
1: And the big problem now, the worry now amongst teachers, although it's the plan, of course, is that because we have the computers, beginning even with calculators, we're losing the skills necessary. We don't think too much for ourselves. We we expect other things, including machines, to do it all for I us. I
0: have Wikipedia, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, in ancient Greece, too, uh, they bewailed uh, when, when education was being given more widespread to the public, They bewailed the fact because they they said it was detrimental to memory training because prior to that, you had to listen to long ropes of memory and be able to to regurgitate it. So the brain is very similar to any other organ. You have to exercise it. And when you don't exercise it, you actually become dumber. There's no doubt about it. Your IQ drops. And you're easily managed by the superiors who understand this very fact. Uh, so we're, we're, that's why people are more placid today, even though uh, they should be screaming at the top of their lungs when they see the changes that are coming in such rapidity all around them.
0: But but they're, 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 what is it? Is it the food and, and some of these inoculations and all that together, the fluoride that's creating yeah. some kind of a mesmerized, and the television and the games and the virtual all reality?
1: It, all of it. They, they, the big players in the system, uh, talked about and again bewailed the fact that they were losing traditional methods of culling the population, uh, going back as far as Thomas Malthus, who was a big top economist for the British East India Company, an advisor to royalty. And they said we need something to, to bring back plagues like the Black Death and so on to cull the population, and we've, we must get ways to to, to um, make the public's minds lethargic. Lethargic was the term. Now, they were already using that with slaves in their various plantations by testing special diets on the slaves They wanted them fit enough to do their work but not too strong that they could walk off from that plantation but, and not too bright and not enough energy to, to think too much. And so they've, they've used food down through centuries for this very purpose. And when you go into the writings of uh, Charles Galton, Darwin, in his book The Next Million Years, and he was a physicist, the grandson of Charles, but with the same agenda, intergenerational agenda as intergenerational agendas, each part of the families that have. Um, Charles Galton Darwin talked about the necessity of introducing into the male body something which would reduce the sperm count. And he said, maybe put it in the food as well, perhaps put it in the water supply, and perhaps even spray it from the air. Now we're seeing all of these things happening today. And he said that the effects on the female would be to make her more masculine, and, and form, and, and we're seeing that happen as well. That does not happen in the span of, of 50 years by itself.
0: So the acceleration of this, this scientific managed uh, dictatorship is proceeding on schedule.
1: Exactly, exactly, and that, that's why Aldo Huxley could write his book in the 1930s of Brave New World talking about a world to come with purpose-bred happy slaves, they would be genetically engineered in test tubes and bred for their purpose that was not a fictional work that he that was predictive programming he worked remember for tavistock institute and and his brother was the, the head the first head of unesco the, the unesco the united nations is to create a common a world uh, uh, education so that everyone gets the same indoctrination.
0: What did he say about scientific humanism? Would be a mechanism to manage the world in the future, or something like that?
1: What they had to do was to convince the public by using science. That, in other words, the science did not have to be true, but scientific terminology. After just through maybe one generation, it used terms that would dehumanise. So what uh, you're saying?
0: Science. Let me make a point real quick here. What you're saying is that this scientific terminology was an encryption system. It was. To, to, uh, to, you, uh, that We could to, not decipher, but we would translate it into something that was real, but they were using it to induce uh, the virtual
1: reality. It, it, when you are allowed to, to be convinced uh, that you're coming from one society that believed that life was sacred into a society where, where you were just another form of animal, you, you immediately fall off that throne and you're down on the ground with the other animals that you actually believe it. Once you believe it, then they can move in, treat you like animals, and you will not complain because you believe it yourself. You've been trained to believe you're just an animal. And, and you won't stand up for rights. You won't stand up for other people who are being um, killed off. And, and, and we've had many genocides still ongoing in the world today. And um, you know, allow yourself to be killed off eventually, thinking, well, I guess there are too many of us. I'll just accept my fate. Uh, I'm going to be a good citizen
0: that has responsibilities, right?
1: (laughs) And Well, he talks again, Huxley and others, uh, and and Russell and a whole bunch of these guys, that they would bring up a population eventually with a new religion, a new religion based on a form of earth worship mixed, of course, with science. That's what they meant. And eventually a generation would come forward to be trained from kindergarten where they would voluntarily put themselves forward to be sterilized and they would get special privileges. To well,
0: Russell. they were cultivating these young kids in the garden, right? Kindergarten?
1: A kindergarten.
0: A Deutsch, uh, Deutsch yeah. term, yeah, a, de- a German term?
1: Yeah, and yeah. again, Russell w- led uh, the whole, what's now the modern educational system. He had experimental schools authorized by the British throne in the 19, early 1900s, uh, where he went through this whole thing, and he said that we, the elite, we, the elite, uh, the dominant minority, he said, always thought we'd have to use Plato's idea of removing the children from the mother at birth and the state bringing them up to give them a new indoctrination so they wouldn't be contaminated with old-fashioned ideas and morals. He says, but now we have found that if we can get the child at the age of two with a scientific indoctrination, when that child goes home every, every afternoon or evening, whatever the parents say to them will wash off them, it will not come into the child, so they'll be uh, uh, contaminated, basically.
0: So there's more contempt for the parents as a result of of this, it seems like.
1: It's it's the same thing, and what has amazed me, and and, and until I clued into the fact that we created communism, uh, as as, as the dialectic, um, uh, the communists uh, were going along the same agenda, that was their ideal goal eventually, to create the Soviet man. Uh, And we found that even with the beginning of Israel. Most of the the, the ones who flooded into Israel after World War II and even prior to it were from the Soviet system. And when you read their books, and I have them all here uh, written at the time, uh, they left the Soviet system because they said that the communism in the Soviet style was not Marxist enough. And so they started the kibbutzes up, where literally the child was taken from the parent at birth in the early kibbutzes and they were brought up communally by, by all the people. But as time went on, they found that the, the, the female's natural instinct uh, remained. You cannot change nature until you change the, the female herself, I see. which will come, uh, it's because they wanted their children back.
0: Charlotte's going to have to leave us here at the top of this hour, but Charlotte, tell us for just a second a few words what, what you're going to be doing this afternoon.
2: Oh, yeah, today, obviously, is the, uh, celebration of Ron Paul's bid for the presidency. It's a major fundraiser, uh, called the Boston Tea Party. It's being, uh, there's parties going on all across our nation, um, the meetup groups, people getting together, uh, donating, uh, to Ron Paul's campaign. And, uh, they're doing it to, uh, get, you know, more media attention and to, uh, make sure he's got enough money for the television advertisements and things like that for the, for the race so I'm dressing George, you need to know I put on the uh the early American dress from the uh musical drama Give them a Chance and um uh, it fits and so oh, I'll good. be early. Wearing- I bet you
0: look great in it, Charlotte.
2: I look like an early American woman.
0: <laughs> you I look great in anything. I don't even
2: recognize myself. <laughs> you look great in myself.
0: anything. You could have rags on, you look beautiful to me.
2: <laughs> Thanks, George. Uh, so, and I got the bonnet, the scarf, the, uh, oh, the apron, the whole dress. And uh, when I head out, I'm going down to meet up with a group of other people dressed in early American attire. Hey, and, get, uh, get some photographs to to get with some all media. those.
0: Get some photographs with all those people, okay?
2: Yeah, I'll do my best. We're trying to get on the news tonight. Okay, that's good. Now, that's us locally, and, uh, of course, things like this are happening all over the country.
0: We'll talk to you later, Charlotte. Thank you.
2: Okay, bye-bye, Alan. It was nice uh, listening. I learned a lot. Thank you.
1: Put some uh, lemon in your tea. (laughs) Good for the cold. Oh,
0: oh. uh,
2: Am I sniffing that bad? bad? Someday
0: you'll have to meet meet Charlotte. She's a wonderful lady. Boy, she's full of energy and get up and go. That my get up and gone is gone. <laughs> but anyway, right, thank uh,
2: you, professors. Yeah, <laughs> professors.
0: professors of the new school. Okay, little old lady in the bonnet. <laughs> bye guys. Hey, bye. Bye, bye, Charlotte. Be good now. We're gonna come back at the top of the hour and continue our conversation. We're gonna open up the phones too and see what we can get on online to what kind of hard questions they can ask you, Alan. Mm-hmm. But I think you can answer about any of these questions. You've got, got a vast amount of information and knowledge and insight. We, we certainly appreciate your testimony and your, your interview. We're going to be back in just a, a few minutes, about one minute actually, on, at the top of the hour. So we'll see you in about a minute, a little over a minute here. Thank you very much.